Welcome to What the If. I wonder what's happening in your life, listeners. Hopefully not too iffy. But this is the hour where we drop all certainty. Did the music just stop? The music stopped really us is yeah. proper. You know, see? Anything <laughs> could happen. Anything could happen. Um, this is the uh, the feature presentation of the week from the WTIF Worldwide Pirate Radio Network. <laughs> Um, on Mondays, we have a little news program. We talk about the, the virus, what's happening in the virus uh, on Mondays. And on Fridays, when you're hearing, which is when this is posted, uh, we, what do we do, Matt? Right here, right now. Right, yeah. What's this? What's the, what is the point? Uh, the point of this is essentially to um, rework reality so as to suit our whims. Ooh. Um, and uh, so sometimes that involves, you know, turning off gravity. Sometimes that involves giving us tails. Um, yes. And uh, sometimes, but not always, um, it destroys the universe. That's right. That's right. Hence, get a little bonus mm -hmm. music here just to make up, because I don't want people to feel, people to feel cheated. Uh, first, we're gonna we're gonna bring in our incredible guest. This we have a very knowledgeable guest, an expert in his field. Um, he may or may not have gained that knowledge by coming back from the future or watching television. Pretty much the same. Um, but it could, <laughs> could be either one. Very exciting. He'll be here in a second. Real quick, we just want to check in with the, the mailbag. Christopher Walker, longtime fan, uh, writes in and he says... Uh, the subject, SETI, S-E-T-I, which is the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. Unrelated to Christopher's uh, email, by the way, we, we do, we, we pour one out, we take a moment. We have a, <laughs> let's have a moment of bluegrass <laughs> for the Arecibo. <laughs> traditional. Yeah. Oh, let's go. R.I.P. R.I.P. Christopher Walker writes, uh, writes in, inspired by uh, one of our, our shows uh, from earlier this month. I was listening to your latest podcast while out for a bike ride and immediately had a more appropriate acronym for SETI come to mind. And he says it stands for Stupidly Exposed Terra to Invasion. SETI! <laughs> Cheers, fellas. Always a blast. Thank you, Christopher Walker. We, we really appreciate your uh, checking in. And any one of you, throw your uh, throw your ideas, whimsical or not, it makes no difference, into the mailbag. You can email us at feedback at whattheif.com, or you can do as Christopher did and just go to our website, whattheif.com, and uh, send us a message right there on the front page, in a little place you can type in your, your little message and send it along. Uh, you know, redo those acronyms. That, that's always good. Um, someday we'll have a merch site. Someday, someday. we'll have t-shirts. Yeah. And uh, I think that, uh, I actually told Christopher, I think that would be a fine t-shirt with a picture of Stephen Hawking, who, who warned us about mm -hmm. the value. Who did have some concerns along yes, those lines. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and let me bring in our very special guest. He's a returning ifer. And um, we'll ask with him, we'll ask, we'll ask with him, we'll ask him in a moment how many times he's been here. 
but I, he could be super duper duper oopa loopa oof ifer. I don't even know what rank mm, he's achieving. Yeah. Kyle Crichton is here. How are you, sir? Hey guys, I'm great. How are you too? We're doing good. We're doing good. We've had you. One time oh, yeah. you were. Uh, let's see. How many times have you been on? Is this your second? This is actually only the second, oh. but I think I've sent a bunch of ideas before. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that could be, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. true. By the way, also, listeners, please, um, we haven't done one in a little while. Uh, send us your ideas for shows, and uh, if we use it, you become a super ifer. Um, and uh, one time Kyle was on, I believe, and uh, I believe the last time you were on, it was, uh, what if there were no trees? Yes. Uh, pretty cool. Yes. Um, and we're talking about Earth. Uh, you know, because most places don't have trees anyway. Um, this week, you come with a. Um, I, I felt like it was appropriate to jump on this if, in the wake of our election, like it's all it's over. It's you know it's it was messy as it always is, but you know, twenty twenty was just extra messy here in the U.S. All this <laughs> nonsense going on, and um, you you had a utopian idea and what was that uh it was what if we lived in a post money society oh post money society yeah. inspired by inspired by star trek specifically the words of picard from the next generation which were we've eliminated hunger want the need for possessions we've grown out of our infancy oh you come with quotes i do that's right epigrams. nobody better to quote than jean-luc picard yeah read that again read it again We've eliminated hunger, want, the need for possessions. We've grown out of our infancy. I can we, hear it. We are definitely voice. still in our, yeah. <laughs> I think we, I can attest that just by watching cable news, we are clearly, oh, I, yeah. I don't even know that we're in infancy yet. We, I think we may be in some. There might be an infant somewhere we, in a magical giant building that I won't name. Born, we're just still living in, <laughs> in chaos. Um, pre, we may be pre-Big Bang at this point. Oh, yeah in terms of our maturity yep. level but uh so the question is what the if we lived in a post money society a la mm -hmm. star trek yeah a la star trek Post money means one day the movie ends. If you've listened before, you know this, but as our, well, we do these thought experiments live, so you are hearing uh, science, because would you call it science, Matt? The scientific yeah, economics, sure. Economics being done, thought, this thought experiment is being done live right before mm -hmm. your eyes, extemporaneously. Your, your ears. Mm -hmm. Yeah, extemporaneously. Treconomics. Ooh, very good. Very <laughs> I can't good. claim it. There's a book called that. Oh, that's nice. Uh, and so the question is, we have to answer, we have to define the terms in a way, define the, 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 the experiment. Is it that money suddenly stops? So I'm guessing, again, we're coming from Star Trek, and so they do mean that there was a time where they, the, the world stopped using money. Is that right? Yeah. Do we, do we know yeah. what that was? The, well, yeah, it's actually delved into in some detail, as I recall, right? Mm -hmm. um, in Deep Space Nine. 
they uh, do some historical talk about how the, the socialist utopia of Earth comes about. Um, but I should say this, the series are a little um, inconsistent on this. So in the original uh, series, um, it does not really seem to be a post-scarcity society. Right? There's definitely haves and have-nots. Um, there's people who have crummy jobs, right? There's asteroid miners and such. <laughs> Um, there's people like Harry Mudd who are out to make money. Um, so it's the, so the original series I think is actually an interesting kind of tension where some people are fine, but it's, it's surely not a purely level society. But by the time we get to the next generation, um, it's, uh, it's supposed to be a genuinely level society. Like Gene Roddenberry was very careful to make sure there was no indication of any, uh, any class divisions or socioeconomic, um, divergence. That's that's actually, that's a huge leap beyond just cashless. Like we, we are a pro, Mm -hmm. I feel like where we are now, at least in the modern, the modern, uh, yeah countries and in urban areas we are getting to the point in fact we we were getting so cashless that in fact um the was it the new york state legislature or i don't know if it was a, a state thing or a city thing but but cashless uh, stores that did not accept cash uh, that was just made illegal um yes it, right. it mm-hmm. did seem yeah. unfair that but happened here in philadelphia as well oh wow yep so um this is they've gone way but and, and this is kind of fun actually this is good science fiction i would say uh and star trek certainly qualifies as among the best science sure. true science fiction they really it wasn't just fantasy like we always want to point out star wars and those kind of things are a little bit more mm-hmm. fantasy than star trek um and they're saying okay we, they went very far they they had they did a what the if what the if there was no money <laughs> um but then they went even further they said well you know that doesn't mean you remove class differences for instance and what you're saying is actually really what gene roddenberry was more interested in was what the if there were no uh class divisions no hard differences in society kind of it's also kind of um a little murky too because like their their quote-unquote monetary value was prestige and admiration right the better you were as a person the more people admired you and the more credit you got within the federation yeah that's right if i remember right there's a speech picard gives to uh some thawed out um colonists from the 20th century who who don't understand how this uh socialist utopia is supposed to work and he says well if you, if you don't get money then what's the point of doing anything and picard gives this rousing speech yeah. the, the goal is to become the best person you can possibly be i think that quote that i had is from that from speech, that speech maybe. Right? yeah i think so yeah. interesting um, interesting so um we if we dropped money right now on current planet earth it wouldn't do any thing actually would probably it would actually probably do the do the opposite of what gene roddenberry was hoping for because this is why for instance they passed this law or whatever in in uh, new york where they said if you do so there were cafes based it was mm-hmm. mostly cafes i assume um that were not accepting cash uh and so literally you go in there and you pull out cash and they're like we don't we can't do that um and that was happening before this pandemic situation where we really and then the pandemic came and it really accelerated that idea you know with a sense of like hey let's not have any contacts mm-hmm. if you can do a contact list that means cashless da, 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 da. but for all those people who can't get 
I don't know, they don't don't have a smartphone or mm-hmm. credit mm-hmm. card or anything like that. They couldn't even go and, you know, get a um, whatever and go into some store and, and purchase anything. Yeah, but there's a, a big difference between post cash, right. post money. Oh, oh, you're right. You're right. you're right. You're right. Right. Yeah. So money in the sort of general sense is a, a tool we use to um help organize the fact that there isn't enough stuff for everybody, right? There, there aren't enough iPhones for everybody who wants one. So um, then the, the, we'd sort of, shrug, in the abstract, we'd shrug our shoulders and say, well, what do we do about this fact? And we say, well, we'll, we'll create this, uh, this idea um, of a convertible thing that represents different kinds of value. So I have a bunch of pigs and you have a bunch of iPhones. Um, and we might say pigs are different than iPhones, so we can't we can't exchange them because who knows how many pigs equals an iPhone. And then somebody else says, well, I invented this thing called money. And we're all going to agree that there's this abstract notion of value and we'll use money to represent that. And then we can convert pigs into this abstract value and then the abstract value into iPhones. And then we can trade our pigs for iPhones via this intermediary that we're going to call money. And how we represent that money can come in all different sorts of ways, right? So in the United States these days, we use flat pieces of greenish paper. Um, but there's no, there's nothing special about that. That's mm-hmm. just a choice we've made to, to represent that abstract idea of value. Right. We could be using pigs is what you're right. saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So post cash is no big deal. Because right. we've, throughout human civilization, we've been using different things to represent yeah. the notion well, of money. In, in fact, what you would say is actually we live in a post-pig society, post-barter. Post-barter, yeah. That's exactly uh, right. right. Post, and I should say that's, yeah. a su- that's a super important development. Yes. Um, and then and then kind of the next small iteration of that is to move beyond a post-currency society where right. And then we're essentially there now because it's it's trivial to exchange dollars mm-hmm. for euros. Okay. And we have so that wasn't the case a couple hundred years ago. Yeah. Um, so now we've we've got money in this more abstract way, right? Just sort of electronic representations of the value. But but money as a concept, we're still reliant on. Right. And so the 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 did did they talk in Star Trek about what is it that created the uniformity of the the lack of unfairness, the lack of a caste system? I can't or- remember, but like one of the things that comes to mind is the idea of like scarcity of natural resources and food, et cetera. And then, you know, the replicator, right? right. It's easy right. as saying like, you know, tea Earl Grey hot, as Picard says, and he gets a cup of tea. So be able to have a giant replicator to make food for everyone. Like the food at least is not as scarce. I right. don't remember if they say anything. I don't know, Matt. Yeah, I think that's that's my sense of it as well. I don't think they ever do say it explicitly, but in terms of watching their day-to-day life, mm-hmm. um, they've got this machine called a replicator, uh, which can make anything on command. Um, food, chairs, iPhones, Nikes, whatever, whatever you want. <laughs> um, and as near as we can tell from watching the show, there's no limitation on that, right? Like nobody says, I'm out of replicator time today um, oh, right 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 uh, because if that was if if you're the amount of time you had to use the replicator was limited then you would very quickly reinvent money again 
because I would say, well, I'll give you five minutes of my replicator time in exchange for something. Yeah. <laughs> it's something that you have. New AG barter system, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. It's just that replicator time would be the, the, the barterable thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, uh, if that's the case and everybody has one of these in their own room, um, then there's no need for something like money because I go to, you have a bunch of iPhones and I have a bunch of pigs and I go to your room and I say, I want to trade my pigs for your iPhones. And you say, just make your own iPhone, dude. Why are you bringing the pigs over here? They're smelly and messy and it's it's ridiculous. Just make, go make your own iPhone. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I can go make my own iPhone. And then you have to, you know, dejectedly, the walk of shame back down the starship corridor. With your pigs and your mud, your yeah, your your. As everyone, as everyone makes a video on their iPhone, it's pig guy. Um. So, uh, yeah. So it's it's really, it's uh, lack. Uh, it's it's not post. I mean, yes, it. It's not just post cash. It's not just post, uh, economic stratification. It's post. Uh, paucity or yeah, yeah. Ian Banks was always careful to say this as post scarcity, post scarcity. Mm -hmm. That's right. So, so we need things like money and our various kinds of crazy economic systems, um, because we have scarcity of certain items, um, and because because certain things are scarce, we need some kind of system for organizing who gets what, um. And, and, you know, we've tried various systems with various success over the years for divvying those things up. But once you have um, something like a replicator on Star Trek, then scarcity is no longer an issue. Right. right. And, and what's interesting is they, um, what comes to mind is the fantastic image in the movie Wally, Wall E, mm-hmm. uh, Wall, right, uh, of the, <laughs> basically the, People living in a spaceship, there's every all their needs are cared for, and so they have become basically gigantic, obese couch potatoes watching television and eating off a tray, where the food is continually shoveled at them. So, does post scarce somehow Star Trek in the Star Trek world they avoided or they somehow overcame what I would think is that after post scarcity comes a huge wave of lethargy, gluttony. Mm. How, how do they avoid the gluttony situation? Uh, hmm. Well, here's the question is, Matt, uh, uh, mm-hmm. Kyle, what would you do? So suddenly, suddenly we've done it. We flipped the switch and uh, every there's no more scarcity. Everybody can have whatever they want. Um, I and, think it would... I think it would be extremely hard at first for humans because we want and want and want. It's in our nature to just want everything, right? So we would eventually, <laughs> potentially, there'd be a sect of us that just get fat like the people on Wally, right? Sipping right. on their Slurpees and in, in their little uh, hovering wheelchairs or whatever they have in that movie. Yeah. Um, but I bet you there would be a sort of offshoot of humanity that would be Federation-like because they're more... They're smarter. They're knowledgeable. They understand that just because you have everything doesn't mean to give into it, which would be the Picards and the and the um, other Federation people like mm-hmm. that. I don't know. It'd be now. Yeah. I have a physics question here, which is: What are the so um, the 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 uh, 
my fear would be that the gluttonous ones, which is already a problem in the world, right? Mm -hmm. There are certain people that are just greedy. Mm -hmm. um, but in, in the, in the post-scarcity world, the gluttonous ones, what are the, eventually, what are the limits, Matt, that they come up against? If they really, well, if I mean, they the, just go crazy. That's right. So the, the limits are energy production, right? So if the replicator is making new stuff, the the matter to make that new stuff has to come from somewhere and it takes energy to rearrange it in that way. Um, I should say Star Trek is fairly inconsistent about exactly what its energy sources are and what uh, kind of limitations they have. Yeah. Um, so d depending on the plot of the episode, the Enterprise might be out of fuel or not. Um, right, but, right. Um, but I should say, if you really want a post-scarcity society, you effectively need unlimited energy. Um, and that's actually not as big a deal as it might seem. <laughs> like, like if you have, uh, if you can efficiently capture the energy from your nearest star, you're pretty much good to go for, for billions of, of people. Um, but as, I mean, as this, as we're sort of imagining so, here that, that if yeah. you dropped a replicator in the middle of Chicago today, uh. um, I think the. What what we're describing here is that you know whoever gets it, like the first thing they would do is make a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, right. Because they they want stuff, right? Our society is organized to to have lots of stuff, so they're going to make yeah. sneakers and iPhones and sneakers for their pigs and iPhones for their pigs, and um, their their house it, would get full of stuff quickly because we're excited about accumulating things. It seems um, that uh, Chicago. I don't know if this was subconscious or not, but it seems like an appropriate place to to. To look at because that is where deep dish pizza was invented. So clearly, a, a highly gluttonous. Yeah, uh, like pizza wasn't enough. <laughs> yeah. We need more, more. Um, but it's um, and I should say some people have have thought about what this might look like. And one of the things that um, I think comes about is that this urge towards accumulation, gluttony. Um, is is perhaps uh, a factor of being in a scarcity society that is you only value having lots of stuff because stuff is scarce so oh, if you could just produce whatever you wanted whenever you wanted it then hoarding becomes a, a silly thing to do like why would you bother because i can have um, there, there's no point in me uh, replicating a whole closet full of sneakers because whenever i need sneakers I just ask for them and they're there. Right. Now, there so, are people that do that. Hoard, you know, there are people that like hoard newspapers and the newspaper is plenty. Yeah, plentiful, but we sort of but, mental, rare, but that's rare. That, aside, yeah. I think yeah, exactly. here, right? Yeah. Um, so, and if, in fact, if you notice, like if you look at people's, uh, the, the crew quarters on the Enterprise in Star Trek The Next Generation, they're very spare. There isn't much mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. And the stuff they have is like art and souvenirs um so so jean-luc picard if you go into the captain's ready room he will show you his favorite book um or an archaeological artifact um but the thing that makes those exciting is the stories he has about them right how he came to get it or who had it before him it's or not the material value of the object that there's a really interesting thing there you just pointed out because art in particular, and then you mentioned the books, and of course, my first thought was, it's interesting that every captain on every show always has old books. Yeah, <laughs> it's just yeah, a thing. Okay. It's just that's part of the Starfleet. I don't know. It's part of your. You got to have old books. Um, but uh, 
But when you mentioned in particular, like here's a prized possession. Let's I love this book. You can in post scarcity doesn't mean that you have post uniqueness. So right. that particular book had, you know, experiences or this particular art, there could be mass produced art, of course, mm -hmm. but it might be no, this is the original painting, the actual mm -hmm. The yeah, one. that's right. So the, the uniqueness would then become presumably quite valuable um, yeah. because that's because that's a weird thing, right? Every mm -hmm. every piece of sneakers, every piece of footwear I replicate is exactly the same um, if I so choose. Right. Um, and this is and this, of course, is a problem that we've been dealing with as a civilization for probably a couple of hundred years now since the Industrial Revolution. Um, that's uh you know, the, the commodification of things and assembly line similarity um, gives rise to to a change in value. And there's there's a famous um, a philosopher, uh, Walter Benjamin, um, who writes a, a very influential essay um, on the work of art in the age of mechanical reproduction. And it's from the 1920s. So it's not like he's talking about, you know, control C, control V kind of stuff here. <laughs> um, he's, he's thinking about like producing newspapers um, en masse. Um, yeah. But one of the things he, he points out is that the, the, the cheaper you make um, items, then the, the, the value gets transferred from the item itself to then the story of how it came to be. And we see this today with like, you know, um, uh, Philip, do you live next to a microbrewery? Do I remember this right? <laughs> You're right. Okay. Yes, that is um, correct. So, you know, so you can get really cheap beer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. not a problem. Um, right. And yet people go and buy more expensive beer. Um, yeah. And you might sort of classical economics says that's not the right choice. Actually, you should always buy the cheapest thing that gets you drunk. Um, but in <laughs> fact, there's, there's something about our massively commodified society that yeah. makes people seek out uh, the more unusual experience. In fact, Kyle, so Kyle, you sent me a text. If you remember, you sent me, a, there's a news story that's happening right now about a very rare thing that was going up for auction that you and I were both excited about. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was the, the Apple One. That's One right. First, there's only like, I forget how many left, like 30, 40 of them. And it went it's for- only what? I'm sorry, I, I missed what it was. Oh. What's the object? The, one of the first Apple Ones. Oh, a one computer. Yeah. Oh, wow. And it's signed by Steve Wozniak or owned yeah. by, not owned by. Uh, Steve. Signed by Woz. Yeah. Wow. I found it. Uh, and it's going, uh, uh, what was the asking price? It was I starting the at. the asking price, but what the article said was that the last one uh, sold for as much as $815,000, but the starting <laughs> bid on this is fifty grand. Starting bit, yeah. Right. Now here's the funny. Here's the funny thing is this is a funny thing about about a, a hardware um, auctions or or what or just collecting uh, computer hardware. That what makes this even more unique is that it works. Yes, no, it still well, runs. <laughs> right, that that is a video of him running it and using it's, basic and typing, and it's great. Yeah, it's not just one of the. So only, you know, first of all, there were very few made, then there's very few surviving. And of the ones surviving, there's very few that are loose up and running. And then they're signed. So all there, you can just see here already, they're layering on four or five, however many layers of uniqueness they can. Um, and so this seems to me, Kyle, what happens in this society where um, these unique things are the most valuable things what pushes what i love about here what the if is we push it to the 
insane to the limit. So the first thing we did here was we pushed the limit of gluttony in terms of abusing, basically abusing your unlimited bandwidth plan. Yeah. You know, yes. your unlimited electrical <laughs> bandwidth. You just push that to the absolute limit, right? Yeah. And we we did that. Um, and then we now are going to be pushing the notion of scarcity. To, like, th those who are gluttonous, yeah. uh, the greedy, this is beyond gluttony, right? This is just mm -hmm. greed. Um, what, what, what is, what's happening in this? I mean, if it's Society. in the, if it's in like a spacefaring world like Star Trek, it's ultimately going to turn into war, right? Like over what scarcity of anything. Let's say um, I was watching the new series Discovery, and dilithium is what powers the warp drive, right? And spoiler alert, it becomes scarce in the in the show. <laughs> spoiler alert, everybody! Uh, right, it causes war. It causes actually the Federation to. Uh, go away not go away but to go in hiding and causes war and all this other stuff um i don't know, I don't know. so there's, there's lots of fighting right so scarcity of and that's this happens on our planet we don't have any other planets that people are living on yet but maybe mars um it happens on our planet right we fight over oil we, yeah what's interesting is about these right. things is mm -hmm. that they are these are actual so in other words the, the equivalent here would be that the gluttonous, you know, the, just the insane wave of gluttony means that even there was this period of, quote, unlimited, but people push it to the limit, and eventually there is some limit that they find, yeah. and again, people start fighting over it. Like, um, uh, sorry. What I find even more <laughs> bizarre is that how uh, there would be potentially wars over absurd, like the last spoon... <laughs> <laughs> or just like yeah. there's something people would just right, but, which is kind of what the art world, you know, is yeah. like or something. In, by the way, in Tom Merritt, we had Tom Merritt on uh, last week, great science fiction writer and beloved podcaster. And in his books, uh, there is a pineapple planet that is mythic, and uh, ultimately there were only like two pineapples left in the universe, and they just become insanely valuable yeah. i mean you can look uh, at that on a like not to get too deep into it but on a macro level let's say like the brand new uh the xbox and the ps5 that just came out right people are going nuts over them they go to stores we're in the middle of a pandemic and people are going in stores and fighting over them they're they're bidding on ebay for you know a thousand dollars when these things <laughs> cost four or five hundred bucks you know it, the simplest things a spoon <laughs> yeah so ultimately it's it's not amount of stuff that um is needed yeah. but a lack of uniqueness yeah. like I, I think about what the elmo what was the tickle me elmo or the cabbage patch there's yeah. always some in fact it's interesting we're having this discussion now i was thinking of it as a post-election show but actually it's also it's a really, perfect it's really a pre-christmas show pre-christmas yeah, holiday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The ultimate that Black yeah. Friday will come about no matter what. It makes me um, wonder if that type of stuff would happen if we had things like the precursor to a post money society would be universal basic income. Like if people have that yeah. kind of mm -hmm. that's a good way to think about it. Money to live, would they be buying things? Like it's yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And that's and that's something that again, you know, sort of philosophers have have tried to to point out. Um, is if you think about how many things in our daily life 
um, is are, are organized by some kind of scarcity, that mm-hmm. some of those things we can take care of, right? So universal basic income, if we can make it so that no one is scarce for food, everybody has enough food, everybody yeah. has a place to live, how would our lives be different? Like if you didn't right. have to organize your life around uh, a daily scramble to make enough money to eat, yeah. Um, what could you do with your time? How might society look different um, if that's the case? And sort of the so the utopian vision of this is the Star Trek one, where everybody devotes themselves to arts and science and learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the dystopic view is Wally, where everybody just sits around watching television all day. Right. Um, and that kind of depends on your view of human nature, right? Do you yeah. think? If released from the bonds of scarcity, um, would humans pursue great things or terrible things? Well, the final, so the final round here is something you pointed out that in fact, the ultimate scarcity, the ultimate scarcity item to be um, eliminated <laughs> is time. Mm-hmm. Oh. That with infinite time, with time eliminated from the equation, right? And there are books that try to get into this the notion of what happens when you become immortal. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I think that one of our very, very first, what the ifs was about, what if you, you, you were immortal. Um, once you eliminate time, then in fact, the whole notion of gluttony goes away because you, right. Right, you could, it's just a matter of time before you accumulate. There might, people might try to... Yeah. So you're saying aging or you're saying time in general, like, you know, can Spock go back in time through a wormhole kind of thing? Or is it just like time doesn't exist? Well, they're tied. They're tied. If time doesn't exist, then aging doesn't exist. Gotcha. Although you're right. You're you're right. That isn't necessarily the case. Time, if you don't have time, um, you just break physics altogether. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's there are, life, there's other lifetime. Senses, this yeah, so yeah, there's other senses of time that we might mess with. So um, sure. if there's a medicine that extends life that would be a kind of time yeah. exchange or places in the universe where time dilation happens maybe black holes get really crowded because everybody wants to take advantage of the time dilation there right um or or in the really grand sense parts of the universe where the ent- where entropy is lower than in other parts of the universe and everybody yep. everyone accumul- accumulates in those places interesting yeah and it wasn't um part I mean, Matt, maybe you know, but it wasn't part of the idea of, for instance, the Soviet Union was the notion that things would be all the same, that there shouldn't be something special, that by doing that, it made, I mean, everyone lives in an apartment. It's not. Yeah. So, I mean, communism was a a vision of a post-scarcity society, um, just a very early one. But I mean, the, the basic idea was the same, which is that industrialization has produced such enormous gains in productivity that if we just weren't idiots about how we distributed those gains, um, then there would be plenty for everybody. So it's interesting, you know, in the 1840s, people are already thinking along those lines. Um, Uh, You know, it's very clear to everyone that there's enough stuff for everyone. Let's just figure out a better way to redistribute it. Um, And the problem remains, essentially. Uh, Even after a couple centuries of productivity gains, we're still pretty bad at uh, distributing those resources. Human nature. Yeah. Well, ultimately it becomes jealousy. Yeah. That that's, that's yeah. the thing. 
Right. Well, it's and like, that's again this this question of you know what whether we end up in a utopia or dystopia, um, even after we have the replicator, um, is this question of human nature? Because you might you say, well, if humans are inherently jealous, then it doesn't um, yeah. it, it doesn't matter if everybody has all the stuff they want, um, because what they want is what they don't have. So I want. I want Worf's couch, even though I can make a couch that's exactly the same as his. The fact yeah. that it is his is the one I want. Good, good luck wrestling Worf. That's right. And couch. then I go and start a fight with Worf, and that doesn't end well. It'd be, I'd, be, I'd be really interested to see a Star Trek series that's like in between today and the beginning of the original series, like how they got to that point. Yeah, <laughs> that would be very cool. From the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, well, that's another thing that even though not only are they able to all be happy, let's say, if that's the pure utopian Star Trek mm-hmm. Federation idea, but they're also okay. There's enough people that are okay with like, yeah, I'll go fight the Klingons or the Romulans. Yeah. I'll go mm-hmm. do that. Um, or maybe that was even the idea that why that's why the Enterprise is exploring, yes. not def- it defend. I mean, it, it gets involved in battles <laughs> mm-hmm. but that isn't their primary no. goal right? right it's just to to explore mm-hmm. yeah um is it conceivable kyle to imagine people being content with what they have i'd like to hope so i think i would hope that it would be i don't know if it's conceivable in today's society right like it's it's difficult we have people even arguing something like a vaccine for for a novel coronavirus, right? Like, oh, I don't want this. They're not content with the scientific research that went into it. Um, there's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of uh, conspiracy theories as well. But um, human nature, we're obviously curious, and some of us go down the wrong paths, <laughs> mm-hmm. which can really inform people the wrong way or Ill, be ill-informed. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know if we could ever be content without completely breaking down what we're already stuck in our society would have to vastly change i do hope that maybe that would be space travel we have or or we terraform another planet and we start society all over again that'd be the only way i can think of doing it you know that's an interesting point because i will say i I feel like the times where it has felt the best to be human or it seems like it would have been the best is when people were able to bond over a goal that didn't involve the destruction of somebody else yeah. For what you know, let's say, for instance, that that going to the moon, if you know, we think about that, yep. that or other other missions that were, um, or hopefully, for instance, you know, saving Earth could become the kind of thing everybody unites around and feels good about, uh, you know, saving and not polluting and coming up with cleaner energy. It's actually Matt. Fun. Matt, what do you, do you see it happening? And did did anyone um, ever in the different philosophies or things like that? Did you you come across? Uh, in your career, was there ever one that said, like, eh, that might actually work? For instance, there's been a lot, in, getting back to post-election time, there's been a lot mm-hmm. of talk about the founding of the United States and all the really, I mean, from one of the positive benefits of all this insanity has been actually learning a lot about things like this time where people were working really hard to try to create a society. Yeah, I mean, there, there's, an, there's been an endless series of uh, uh, utopian experiments of people mm-hmm. trying mm-hmm. to make mm-hmm. a society uh, that's dedicated to something other than material gain. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, so far it has not gone so well. 
Um, and and one answer to that is human nature. There's something about humans that actually make that not possible. Um, more common is that people say, well, we just haven't done it right yet. My utopian commune will be yeah. great. Um, we just need to figure it out. Yeah. yeah. And it would go completely against evolution. I mean, it's, it's not just humans, right? It's that the entire, it seems to me, the entire project of nature is to kill and yeah. consume. Well, I mean, but I should say that's a very specific interpretation of natural selection put forward by people like Herbert Spencer uh, in the 19th century. Um, kind <laughs> or of, Werner Herzog is what I was kind of naturalized yeah. the idea of capitalism. Um, but there's lots of other ways to, you know, there's holistic models of evolution mm -hmm. too um, that focus on things like kin selection and um, uh, mutual group support. Um, so it's not, it's not obvious that nature would push us one way or the other. Right, right. Interesting. Well, this has been, this is quite a good uh, oh, thing. Yeah. And, and I suppose that uh, I would say that um, I don't know much about the, the true meaning of Christmas, but I will <laughs> say it has something to do with this. If I, so we, sure. I, I, I was going to recommend, I'm, I'm going to ask you if there's any um, books or, or other sources of information you would recommend for people to explore this idea. I'm going to recommend it's Charlie Brown Christmas. Ah, which, by the way, Apple, I love Apple, but they tried to steal, <laughs> they tried to create scarcity by making um, It's a Charlie Brown Christmas not available for free on broadcast television, and they had to relent. Apple TV. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Apple TV. Yeah. Yep. No, it's free. Yep. It's it's available. That's good. But uh, Matt, any any books and Kyle, any, any books or, or movies or anything you recommend? Um, Kyle, you said that there's a book specifically yeah. dedicated to. For one, I kind of read the Cliff Notes. I am going to buy it and read it. But it was uh, Treconomics by Manu Sadia. I think that's how you say it. Okay. Um, and it's it pretty. I read I read a couple of the preview pages. Very in depth. Obviously, he's a Trekkie, um, and it's fantastic. I've been relating it while reading the small pages I have to stuff today, and it was. You know, going as far as um, prestige and admiration and saying today, like COVID-19 vaccine, right? Scientists are working on it specifically for the benefit of humanity. The companies are making money, but the scientists are like, oh, I'm going to put that in Scientific American just so I have my name on it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Ian Banks's uh, culture novels spend a Thanks. lot of time pondering cool. exactly what a post-scarcity society would look like. Um, and then also pondering uh, how it is that such a society um, still gets into wars <laughs> and mm, still mm, has mm. troubles and is still an interesting place to live. Um, uh, but And also the variety. So there's not just one um, post-scarcity society, but there's a number of them that appears in the novels. And it's interesting to see Banks teasing out the different directions those societies might go. Mm. That's great. That's a great one. By the way, you, you mentioned those often, and I've, I've read a couple mm -hmm. of those, but I want to go back and, and read They're more. They're good of those. fun. Yeah, amazing, amazing series. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Um, I, I hope that uh, everyone listening has a week of prosperity. What, what, one thing I learned about was poverty consciousness versus prosperity consciousness. Yeah. Sometimes you can just have a state of mind, and if you have a, a, a mental, you, know, you just start thinking about the abundance of things you have, it kind of dampened the, the d uncomfortable sense of lack of something <laughs> one thing to say real quick that i, I yeah. learned about on my research for this episode is to learn or read about the artemis accords from nasa oh. right? and they're loosely based on the federal like they're very very eerily similar to like the federation's rules 
That's pretty interesting. Obviously, yeah. someone at NASA yeah. is a Trekkie. Oh, and what it's, so it's is it sort of an international agreement? Yeah, so thing? it's based on the Outer Space Treaty from 66 or 7, 67, yeah. I think. Okay. Um, it's loosely based cool. on that. It's like 10 step, 10 rules, you know, for peaceful purposes, et cetera. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, everyone, by the way, we should give a big thank you to Kyle Crichton for he yeah. is the one who um, uh, posts the show, adds uh, show comments very often, and uh, includes information like this. So Kyle will be adding links uh, to, to help you find all these cool things. Yep. Um, and so visit them. You can learn more on our website. Every episode gets its own web page, uh, uh Also, subscribe, whatever podcast app you're using right now. Subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, you know, if you stumbled on this in some other way, subscribe and you get it automatically every week for free, of course. Um, and if you could leave us a review, by the way, holidays are coming up. This would be a good time to think. If you haven't left a review, uh, or rating slash review. Rating means you click the stars. Review means you even typed in a few words about the show on the box. Um, that would be fantastic. And if you do, by the way, tell us. Uh, usually I, I try to see those when they're updated. Uh, it shows up on iTunes or whatever. But uh, let us know that you sent a review and uh, send it to us, and I will read it on the air. Also, when you go to whattheif.com, you'll see that we have a little thing there that kind of picks randomly from all the reviews we've gotten. And they are all... Wonderful. So thank you to all of you who have written one. Those, those get featured right there on the front page. Uh, send in any comments or questions, uh, feedback at whattheif.com, or just go to, again go to the website and leave us a, a comment. We haven't been doing much on Twitter. I hope to get back to, uh, mm. when we get our interns fired up again. Um, coming up, we'll, uh, we'll get back to posting on Twitter, but uh, always keep us abreast if, if you are there as well. And so, Kyle, will you join us? I know you're very familiar with... Our ending ritual, uh, Kyle. How would you describe why we do this ritual and and how it it helps you or hurts you? Uh, I'd have a simple sentence of just out of morbid curiosity. <laughs> <laughs> out of morbid curiosity, what you? Uh, hmm. You mean you you do the ritual because you are curious what will happen to you when you do it? Yes. Yeah. Am I fading into the netherworlds? Am I, where am I going with the echo? I like that. What what the if will happen when you scream very slowly? What the...